Hello, the message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's Favorite House Canada. We pray that as you listen, God's light will flood your heart and transform you forever. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, last week we started a series on God's side, God's side. And today we are going to be continuing in that line, God's side. You know, one of the things we mentioned was... You know, for us to be sure that God is on our side, we need to position ourselves on God's side. So we are going to be looking at God's side today, God's side part two. And I pray that God himself will open our hearts to hear from him. In the mighty name of Jesus. The message I'm going to be teaching is very self-explanatory. I'm sure you've heard it time and time again. But how many of us have taken time to chew that scripture, to understand what everything in it means? So I'm going to be trying, I'll try and focus on areas that I feel we may have missed out or we may be struggling to understand. And I pray that the God of heaven himself will give us understanding. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 14 to 16, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are who? The sons of God. You know, that's why we sang that song of confession. I hear your voice and I follow your spirit. Hallelujah. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That we are the children of God. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, how do you position yourself on God's side? Be led by the Spirit of God. Listen to me. A lot of times you come to church, you hear the word of God, you are charged, you are like, awesome. Then you go into the world, then life happens. A lot of times you forget what we have heard. Why? Because the choice is before us. We are the ones that decide what choice to make. So you've heard the word of God, you know God wants you to be like this, to love everyone. Then you go into the world and you meet someone that, quote and unquote, is unlovable. How do you act? You hear the word that talks about courage, that talks about patience, that talks about long-suffering. Then you get into a situation where you are in trouble. How do you act at that time? That is the challenge. A lot of times you get to a crossroad where there is God's way or the way of the world. What way do you take? Last week we spoke about sin. But my question to you is, what is sin? How many of us know that? Do you know that... (laughs) For believers a lot of times. And the funny thing is, you can't claim ignorance. There are some things in the scriptures that are not allowed. Like, you shouldn't really do their sin. But I don't know if it is that, is it that we categorize sin as something else and then we don't know some things we do accounted as sin. What is sin really? Anyone, can someone help me? What is sin? Who can give me a quick definition of sin? Sin, what is sin? Eh? Anything that displeases God, yes? Missing the mark, yes? You know that's the meaning of sin. When you play that and, you know, you, you, you don't get the mark, they say you have sinned. You understand that? So, missing the mark, that's the tradition for missing the mark. Disobedience to God. So, my question is, what, what does God know? I mean, what does God want? What is the mark? What is the mark? What does God expect of us? You know, so while I was speaking with the Holy Spirit, I'm like, how do I unpack this to your children. The Spirit of God took me to a very popular scripture in the book of Galatians chapter 5. You know, but before I go into the teachings of the scripture, I want us to just, just have a bit of understanding. 
Galatians 5, 16 to 18. We are going to be focusing on from, from verse 19 to 21 today. Galatians chapter 5. But before we go there, let's just look at 16 to 18. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Self-life here is sinful nature of your flesh. It says, as you yield to the dynamic life of the Holy Spirit, life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinders your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be under the law, but swearing above it. You will no longer be living under the law, but swearing above it. What is God telling us today? There's always the contention. The Spirit of God in you and your flesh. But let me take it on from there. Now what are these things? You know, Paul went up to teach in Galatians chapter 5 verse 20, verse 19 to 21. And that's what I want to focus on. I'm going to be focusing on the works of the flesh. Galatians 5, 18 to 21. Galatians 5, 18 to 21. I'm going to be focusing on the works of the flesh. And a lot of times, I know we've heard these messages and when you hear them, what acts do you take? Do you hear the words and when you hear envy, you say, hmm, that's Bola. She needs to hear this message. This message is for her. You hear jealousy. Ah, that's Tunde. He's a jealous human being. What do you do when you hear the words about the works of the flesh? Or do you look at the mirror of God's word and compare your life? Look at your life. Am I exhibiting any of these works? Something happens when you give your life to Christ. You receive the spirit of God. And because you have the spirit of God in you, there are some things that are expected of you. There are some fruits that are expected of you. So when you want to know a follower of God, look at the person's life and look at the fruits in the life. Then you see a genuine follower of God. But why is it that we struggle a lot of times and we exhibit the works of the flesh. But even if you're exhibiting the works of the flesh, what do you do about it? Do you go back to God? Remember what we spoke about the practice of sinning last week? A lot of times, people sin and then they are very disgusted. They're like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I will never do this again. That's what it should be. You shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't be comfortable with sin. You shouldn't, I mean, you have not even made, God has given us power over sin. So he says the person sins the first time and he's like, oh God, I'm so, I, I'm so sorry I did this. Then the second time, God, I'm sorry. Then the third time, fourth time, fifth time, commits that same sin. Then that guilt lives. Then the person begins to exhibit or to live that life of sin. He says that is the sin that leads to death. But how do you even know what kind of sin the Bible is talking about? Now there are so many things in it. There are so many types of sins, but we are going to be looking at the ones that Paul highlighted here. And I pray God we open our hearts in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, but if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Which are these? There are some of them that we know the meaning. I'm not going to be dwelling on them. We know what it means. If you don't know what it means, just let me know. I'll try and ex explain. We know what adultery means. Are we right? Adultery. We know what fornication means. Fornication. So let's, because of time, we know what uncleanness means. Do you know what it means? 
uncleanness. Do you know what it means? Anyone confused? Because I want to move to the other ones, or the ones that you may not understand. Anyway, just to give us an understanding, it's referred to as lustful thoughts. Lustful thoughts. Impurity. The way the message transition puts uncleanness. <laughs> you know, it says it is a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. I love the writer of the message. Uncleanness. Stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. I think it's TPT that puts it at... Um, is it pornography? I mean, it's, it's, there are so many different explanations. Lustful thoughts. That's uncleanness. I pray God will deliver us in the name of Jesus. Let's move on. The next one is lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. Can someone help us with what that means? Lasciviousness. I think I've explained this time without number to us. What does lasciviousness mean? What does it mean? It's also referred to as sensuality. 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 Not sexuality, sensuality. It's referred to as total irresponsibility and lack of self-control. Means inappropriate and overt expression of sexual desire. Being driven by sexual desire. Filled with it and expressing it. Intentional provoking or exciting of sexual lust. Giving to lust, lewdness, filthy immorality, debauchery. That's lasciviousness. Should I paint a picture of lasciviousness for you? You know what it means? Anything that is intentionally done, you know, I mean, I can't really use men and I don't want to use women, but you have to use women because lasciviousness a lot of times is, I don't know how men can be lascivious. Like it happens to men too, I know. But when it comes to, for this explanation, you, a woman steps out of the house with half of her breast showing. Half of her breast showing and maybe a bum shot. You know it's not really proper. That's, that, that thing, the intention. And, and another thing about it is, it talks about the intention. Why will you come out of the house with half of your breast showing? You want to just be free and... I don't know. I don't... I mean, someone can explain to me. I don't know. We don't do it here, right? So, I don't know. But that's like lasciviousness. Another thing, if you want to look at it, sim a, a very simple explanation. How people go to the beach and they go nude. And they walk nude. That's lasciviousness. You know, there are nude beaches now. I'll be surprised. There are nude. There are beaches you go to that people don't wear clothes. That's an act of lasciviousness. You get, God doesn't like it. Your dressing doesn't glorify God. Why you want to say, well, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter. Let me dress, let me show what my mama has given me. Okay. What has your mama given you? Praise the Lord. The next one, idolatry. But a lot of times when we look at idolatry, we are like, ah, those idol worshippers, may God forgive them. My beloved, look at yourself. I like the way the TPT puts it. It says, chasing after things instead of God. Chasing after things instead of God. When your job becomes your pursuit, when your, your funds in the account becomes your pursuit, when your greatness, your name, you know sometimes you can chase after your name more than God. You don't know. You can chase after your reputation more than God. When your reputation becomes more important than God, there are so many things that contend with God in our lives. It says chasing after things. It didn't say chasing after things more than God. 
It says chasing after things instead of God. The way God has designed our hearts, you can't manage, it's not, you can't chase God and chase other things. No. God has to be first. God doesn't contend. He doesn't like to be. You can't, it's too big to be contending with your child. For some people, it's their children. Their idol is their children. You don't know that? Ah. May God help us in the name of Jesus. Your money, your job, your children, your career, your business can become your idol. Guess what? Your girlfriend can become your idol. I remember when I was dating my wife, she almost became my idol. Then God delivered me. It's true. It's true. <laughs> when, when you should wake up and talk to God, your father and everyone, you are calling, hello baby, did you sleep well? Are you okay? Is your leg okay? Is your body okay? <laughs> when you meet somebody and the person makes you forget God, there's a problem. God is number one. God is number one. Be careful what you allow to take the place of God in your life. Your husband, no. Your wife, no. God is God. So the Bible is telling us idolatry is anything that takes the place of God in our lives. For some people, it's phone. Thank you for that. It's phone. You hear what, hear what the Bible says? It says, thing. Chasing after things instead of God. May God help us in the name of Jesus. We are moving more. The next one is witchcraft. Ah, somebody remember that auntie. Hmm, that auntie is a witch. But you know the meaning of witchcraft? So a lot of times as believers, and maybe because of where we come from, because we've seen a lot of spiritual, um, what was it like used? Activities. When you say witchcraft, in your mind you're like, ah, those witches, those spiritual, you think spiritual. But you know this meaning of, do you know how the TPT puts witchcraft? You know what it says? It says manipulating others. Witchcraft. What do those guys do really? They manipulate the spiritual. Oh, they see someone's star, they take it out. That's manipulation. Oh, they see that this person is meant to achieve it, then they go in, they intervene. That's manipulation. But as a person, you want a goal or there's something going on and you want everyone to be on your side, then you manipulate everybody to be on your side. That's witchcraft. My fellow, you're a witch. <laughs> I mean... But you know the funny thing is, a lot of us, you know, before a lot of us became believers, we, we, uh, we indulged in witchcraft. You don't know. A lot of people are former witches. <laughs> if I explain the meaning of witchcraft to you, a lot of people are former, but God has delivered you. So when you hear people saying, God delivered me from witchcraft, don't say, my brother, my sister, God delivered us together. Sister Linda, I'm listening. <laughs> okay, no, that's different. Oh, when you're when you like conversing for people to vote for you. Now listen, conversing for people to vote has different levels. You know, there are some like if you watch, well, I've not I <sighs> I know a few politicians back home. A lot of them indulge in witchcraft. You know, a lot. Because they are, of course, they go to spiritual language. There are rituals they do. You know, there's a ritual people do that people begin to favor them. You, are you aware of that? There's a ritual they do that people favor them, which is why those are those things that the uh, what do you call them? They are the fake of the original. The favor we enjoy as children of God, there is a dark part of it. Where someone, you know that there's some people to do some, they will do something in front of their stores, then you start seeing customers running there. It's that, that's like favor. So a lot of politicians do that. Now let's come to the Western world, where people begin, maybe you see something bad about your opponent, you now release it on social media, so that people will begin to hate the person. You are trying to manipulate the electoral, like the voters, right? 
ah, that's not a good thing now. I mean, if you are going to tempt that, I mean, with this, with this illustration of manipulating others, that's witchcraft. Why can't you vote? Why can't you go normally? Give what you are giving. Like, you know, if let's say it's a true thing, that's where the difference is. If it's something that is just and is in love, why will you, as a politician, look for maybe something that is very bad, something that maybe your opponent has re- repented from? That was during the American elections, I saw a lot of dirty things, and I'm like, that's not necessary. That's manipulation. That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. So you need to understand the difference. So check your life. Are you someone that manipulates others? Some of us even manipulate our, our spouses. Do you know that? Yes. Yes. Check your life. Check your life. I mean, that's the thing about it. So when you look at the works of the flesh, do you take time to understand what they mean? But because of time, let's move on. The next one is hatred. But before that, sorry, let me go back to witchcraft. Another example of witchcraft, of course, let me just give you something so you understand. Occult practices, worship of evil powers, drug-induced trances. So, one of the definitions of witchcraft is also drug abuse. Why? Because when you take drugs, it manipulates you. It affects you. Right? So, if you indulge in drug abuse, it can also be termed that. It can be termed that. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. So, if there's anybody here that is in the drug business, you are selling drugs, not health, not, you know, not real good drugs. If you are selling drugs, you know what I mean? You are a witch. Hatred. A tried of those who get in your way. That's how TPT puts it. You know the amazing thing about it is we justify hating people that are bad. Listen, now let me break the scripture to you. So when we talk about hatred, a lot of us, of course, how will you hate someone that is good? Right? People that are good deserve to be loved, right? But the scripture is not saying hatred of those who are good. You understand what I'm saying? If he said hatred of those who are good, you say, how can you hate someone that is good? You are a bad person. No. He says hatred of those who get in your way. What are people that get in your way? People that are not good. So what the scripture is saying is, we are not meant to hate at all. But the way we believe, I hate you. <laughs> I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. It's one of the works of the flesh. God will help us and deliver us from it in Jesus' name. When I saw the meaning of it with message translation, I was like, wow. Guess what he calls it? Paranoid loneliness. When you hear it first, you're like, oh, what does that have to do with it? But go and, go, and, go and chew on it. Paranoid loneliness. Paranoid loneliness. He calls it. That's what he defines that hatred as. Anyway, let's move on. The next one is variance. The thing about variance is... <laughs> It's so let's look at the origin of it. It comes from the Greek word eris. It is defined as strife, discord, contention. One of the um, Bible commentary describes it as um, what's that word they used? Expression of enmity is various. Expression of enmity or enmity. Another thing is it's also called senseless arguments. What message translation calls it is cutthroat competition. That's variance. You know, a lot of times, some things, attitudes, or some characters we have that can be termed good by the world. Sometimes, if you don't compare it with scriptures, you may be going amiss. Cutthroat competition. Cutthroat. There are some people that it must be their way only. It must be their way only. It must be their own opinion only. What do you know? What are you saying? If you are that kind of person that you keep exhibiting that kind of behavior, go back to God. 
Hallelujah. The next one is emulations. Emulations. This is something we need to be careful about. The church needs to be careful about it. You know, it's from the Greek word zealous. And the point in our emulation is it can be good or bad. You know how the Bible encourages us to emulate our brothers of, in, in Christ. People that, you know, are doing great things for God. Emulate them. But it can also be bad. How can it be bad? <laughs> it can be turned to jealousy and envy. The passion translation refers to it as resentment when others are favored. Resentment when others are favored. So my question to you today is when you hear people's testimonies, when someone that, you have a friend and both of you apply for jobs, you had the same experience, same everything, and then your friend gets the job and you don't. How do you feel? All these things are things of the heart. How do you feel? Emulations. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. After that is wrath. 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 The thing about wrath is you know, for anyone, anyone that is struggling with temper, you are struggling with anger. You are struggling with they call it fits of rage. I pray God will deliver you today in the name of Jesus. The thing about wrath is it is very violent, but it is brief. And there's something, a, 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 there's this um, article I read about wrath. The, the effects of wrath always last a long time and does a lot of damage. So what is wrath? You know people that get angry easily. They go somewhere, something happens, they flip. They start yelling. That's wrath. Guess something about those people, they are good people. So after they flip, they go back and they are sorry. But guess what? The damage has been done. That's wrath. If you are someone that you can't take nonsense, you go somewhere, a waitress talks to you in here, you're like, are you okay? No, by the time you are doing it, you're angry, you feel justified. But two minutes after, you're like, ah, I should not have spoken like that. They are looking for a way to repair the relationship. That is wrath. That's the difference between wrath and anger. Wrath is, is a fit of fury, a fit of anger, but it's always brief. So if you are someone that struggles with anger, go to God. I've seen that in wreck relationships. I've seen it wreck marriages. I've seen it wreck families. In the fit of rage, the person says what they shouldn't say. So you said it, you feel bad. Like, I'm, not, I'm so sorry I said that. But the damage has been done. So as many people as are struggling with the sin of wrath, I pray God will deliver you in the name of Jesus. The next one is sedition. How many of us know what sedition means? Sedition. Sedition. We don't know what sedition means. Anyone? Sedition. Can someone open a dictionary? Because I don't want it to just come from me alone. Look at what sedition means. Sedition. Sedition. S-E, not seduction. Sedition. Sedition. Open your dictionary. Or your Google. What is sedition? God bless you. Please, can you say it louder again? I want people to hear. Oh, give her a mic, please. Let her read it out. Thank you, man. God bless you. Conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. Conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against a state or monarch. You know, there's a difference between disagreement with an authority or criticizing an authority and inciting people against authority. Sedition is 
causing people, inciting people to rebel against constituted authority. A lot of times we see government, we are upset. We're like, how can this leader do this? A lot of us, because of where we come from, you know who I'm referring to. How can this person do this? You are so angry. One of my brothers that is looking at me here, he used to be one of the serious critics of the leader of our country, where we come from. One day he was praying. I don't want to call him. God told him something. He said, Pastor, you are looking at me. <laughs> he said, Pastor, God did something straight to me. I said, well, he said, God said I should pray for Buhari. <laughs> he used to be a strong critic. He said, God said I should love him and pray for him. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you don't let God is saved. God is not an author of confusion. There is a difference between criticizing. So I, I see a lot of believers saying, saying about a country, maybe they are from a country, they're like, let this nation burn. Let it burn down. That is not Christ-like. Listen, there is a way, once, you don't understand, the way with God is, once the constitution is formed, God respects the constitution. You need to understand that. So whether the thing is formed by fraud or by whatever way, once there is a constitution, God respects it. So if you say the way to elect a leader is by voting, that is it. You can't incite people and go and fight a leader to remove him. That is the sin. Are you getting me? A lot of us are struggling. You're like, ah! What if he's a bad leader? <laughs> Listen to me. When, one of the challenges why the Jews did not believe in Jesus was when Jesus came on earth, they were under Roman rule. They were oppressed. That's why you had the zealots. But the fact that Jesus never referred to that, like Jesus never fought the authorities when they even brought the coin, they said, should we pay tax? said, give up to Caesar, what to Caesar's? A lot of them were like, ow! They thought that the Messiah would come and scatter everything and kill all the Romans and take, deliver them. You need to understand God. Sedition is something we need to be careful about as believers. A lot of times online, those are the nice conversations we have. We like to talk. Let's be part of these opinions. But what does God say about it? Sedition is overt conduct such as speech and organization that tends towards rebellion against the established order. Sedition often includes subversion of a constitution and incitement of discontent toward or rebellion against established authority. Now listen to one that will shock you. Sedition may include any commotion, though not aimed at open and not aimed at direct and open violence against the law. Let me read that again. Sedition may include any commotion, though not aimed at direct or open violence against the law. How many of us know that there is a law on sedition in Canada? I hope we know that. You know, if you can't say anything that incites people like against the government, like rebellion against the government, they will arrest you and jail you for 14 years. Are you aware? You don't know. So you just type on. <laughs> I pray God, we have laws that are in the house. I don't know the section, but there's a law. How many of us know that during the World War II, there was a premier, that, a mayor that was arrested, the mayor of Montreal? How many of us know that? I don't know. <laughs> so during the World War II, the former mayor of Montreal, Camillian Oud, campaigned against conscription. So Canada was conscripting young people to go to war. And what he did was, like, why will you be conscripted? People that don't want to go, they shouldn't go. Why will you force people to go to fight in World War II? So he came against the government like he was saying he's against it. On August 2nd, 1940, Out publicly urged the men of Quebec to ignore the National Registration Act. He told them to ignore the National Re Registration Act while people were registering to be conscripted. He said, don't do it. What happened? Two days later, he was arrested by RCMP on charges of sedition. 
So there's a law against sedition in Canada. Every government has a law of sedition. So let's be careful. Let's be guided. Be careful in it. It's just in your conduct and your thoughts. Criticize. You can disagree with an opinion or with the, the activities of a government. But when it turns to rebellion, God is against it. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. Let's move on from there. The next one is heresies. We know that's what that, that means, right? False teachings. Holding of religious beliefs opposed to the church doctrine. So when people come, they preach things that are not scriptural. That's heresy. You understand that? And those that follow those teachings are in the sin of heresy. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. We know what envies mean. We know what envies. Envy is like jealousy over the blessings and achievement of other people. That's very similar to emulations. We have three more to go. The next one is murders. A lot of times when you talk about murder, we think of homicide, we think of slaughter. But the Bible says, a threat for your brother or your sister is murder. God says, a threat for your brother or sister is murder. The Bible says in the book of 1 John 3.15, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. You know, to help someone here that may be struggling with sedition and he's saying, ah, pastor, but these people are wicked. These people are bad. How can you say sedition is a sin? The Bible says in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, it says, And pray for every political leader and representative so that we will be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we worship the awe-inspiring God with pure hearts. It is pleasing to our Savior God to pray for them. He longs for everyone to embrace his life and return to the full knowledge of the truth. So guess what God's dream is? You know what God's dream is? Those wicked leaders that we know, God wants them to repent and come to him. That's what God wants us to pray for. God will help us in the name of Jesus. The next one. Two more to go. Drunkenness. So my question to us today is, when does drinking alcohol become drunkenness? Eh? Yeah, Tony. When? When your judgment is impaired. Okay. Any other person? When does it become drunkenness? When you are drunk. <laughs> you know the funny thing is, so when my own is anytime there is a scale, like anything that is not clear, why not just try and stay away from it? Are you getting me? So my question is for people that drink alcohol, what do you like in it? It's not even like exactly why. What does it make you? What is it? It's not sweet. Is it the feeling it gives you? Everybody's looking away. <laughs> Funny enough, there's one wine I just discovered. has no alcohol inside. But I think people that like alcohol will like it. So maybe that can win you off alcohol. That can deliver. Use that wine. It tastes, it, it, it. In fact, at the time I went somewhere to visit one of my spiritual fathers, and he gave me that wine to drink. And I put it in my cup and I tasted it. And I did not know how to look at the alcohol, whether there's alcohol in it. I was using style to steal glances. Using style. <laughs> how can this man give me alcohol? How can I have tasted alcohol? Then the man caught me. The man just said, oh, go look at the bottle. There's no alcohol inside. So I carried it in. I looked. No alcohol. So there are drinks that maybe you want it fresh from the orchard. I don't know why. Why? God will help us in Jesus' name. So my problem is, if drunkenness is a work of the flesh, 
And how do you even know when your judgment is impaired? Like, how do you know? Is there a scale? Is there something that triggers you? I don't know. So, why play around with it? God will help us in Jesus' name. The last one is reveling. Reveling is also known as wild parties. Wild parties. Wild parties. It's known as riotous behavior. To take part in noisy festivities. To enjoy oneself in a lively and noisy way. Especially with drinking and dancing. Where does that remind you of? Nightclub. Listen to me. You heard it today. God is against night clubbing. You can't go to nightclub on Friday, on Saturday night, Friday night, then you come to church. It's weird. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. And if ever you're looking at people that go to nightclub, ha, ah, you can't, let me, let me, what do you go and do there? My question is, what, what do you go and do there? Eh? Turn up. What are you turning up? I mean, you're a child of God. That's reveling. So listen, all of us, our children are going to grow up, whether you like it or not. They will grow up one day. All the things you did to your parents, all those tricks, they might want to do it for you. They will improvise, Abby. They will do it to the next level. But guess what? We now have scriptures. I didn't, funny enough, growing up, I didn't know. If I knew that reveling was a sin, I may not have really, I may not have done those things. <laughs> I didn't know. I know now. I can never do it. I can never, never. But I'm telling you, but that is what the scripture says. So when your child is saying, Daddy, I want to go to the club with my friends. And you say, God is against it. I said, that is a, ow, ow, ow. Bring out scripture. Bring a dictionary. Look at reveling. What's the meaning of reveling? Oh, Daddy, I don't know. We are going to check the dictionary. We will explain it to them. God is against wild parties. Dancing. Why? Things happen. Like, it's the spirit of God cannot flow in that place. It cannot. As you get to the door, the Holy Spirit, it cannot go with you inside. Where will you go where the presence of God is not? For a lot of us, you're like, oh, but it's my friend. I have to hang out with my guys. Hang We can even open the... We have a little land in church. Come here, hang out with your friends. Drink soda or something. Talk about life and move on. Why must he be in the club? Come and club with Jesus. Come to the presence of God and sing and dance. I'm not sounding like my father. <laughs> let's, let's not bow down and begin to talk to God. We have heard the scriptures today. And we've heard what the word of God is saying about these things. You know, in conclusion, it says... Of which I tell you before, and as I have told you in the past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. God is not in support of living a careless life. When we give our lives to Christ, God releases His Spirit upon us. And because of that Spirit, we have the power to live above sin. We have the power to live above things that displease God. I pray in the name of Jesus even right now that for everyone that requires strength, that God will strengthen us all in the name of Jesus. As we've discussed these various, work, various works of the flesh, for as many people as have one, two, three, or a couple of things that they are struggling with, I pray that God will deliver you in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you give us the grace to do the things that please you. Give us the grace to stay aligned to you. Honor and adoration we give unto you, Father. For anyone that is here currently or joining us online that is saying, I don't know Jesus. I want to have a personal relationship with him. Or he's saying, I used to be a child of God, but I have indulged so much in these works of the flesh that I have moved away from the faith. I want to come back to God. I want you to just raise up your hand wherever you are and say after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for reconciling me to the Father. 
Today I come to you and I ask for forgiveness of all my sins. I accept you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, everlasting Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your children. Your word says that he that comes to you that you shall in no wise cast away. Lord, as they have come to you, please accept them. Move them forward. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. For all your children, Lord, please keep them. Hold them, Lord. Help them to stay rapturable. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Let somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Let's quickly take our offerings. For those that have an offering, please feel free because of time um, to just give through our interact information that will be shared on the screen. And also for those that want to give towards the building fund, the information is also on the screen. God will bless us mightily in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the grace to give to you. You are the one that blesses the works of our hands. And for this, we are grateful. Thank you for all that you are doing in this season. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, because we know that because we brought an offering to you, Lord, we will eat bread without scarcity. And you will bless us with abundance, Lord. For those that have paid their tithe in course of week, who have paid today, Lord, I pray that you will bless them Rebuke the devourers for their sake. Open the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings upon them. In the name of Jesus, that we will remain connected to you. Honor and adoration we give unto you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.